All right, guys, before we get into today's show, I wanted to remind you about one of our our sponsors, WrestleCrate.com. WrestleCrate offers an incredible subscription-based service each month for pro wrestling fans that like to collect stuff, stuff like DVDs, T-shirts, figures, autographs, all different types of wrestling memorabilia. It's really neat stuff. This month, too, is very, very special. If you get over there, WrestleCrate.com, and you use the promo code ELITE when you select whichever package you would like, here's the neat thing. You're going to get 20% off. You're going to get 20% off that crate. That's an incredible deal, and I encourage you to get over there as soon as you can. Get it done by the 18th. Enter that promo code ELITE when you check out at WrestleCrate.com and get 20% off that deal. Now let's get into Guilty as Charged 2001. Thanks for the download. It is now episode 96 of the New Blood Rising podcast. We're in season three, which means we're taking a look at ECW pay-per-views. And we have reached now, this episode, the end of what we call ECW Prime. The, the, the Paul Heyman years. The Paul Heyman years of ECW. We are at Guilty as Charged 2001. I am William Rankin, joined by Jason Kiesler. How's it going, folks? And Charlie Stabile. How y'all doing? Martin could not join us here for the uh, for this episode, but I have an email in length that talks about his thoughts concerning not just this pay-per-view, but kind of talks about this part of the season overall with where we've reached from going through barely legal 97 up to this point, the Paul Heyman years. We're going to get to that at the end of the show. Um, so as, as we start off here, with this being a show that is significant that it is the end of um, the prime years of ECW. We've got a heavy amount of notes, good notes from Colin talking about where ECW was at this time leading up towards the end. So I'm going to let Colin Duff's words kind of lead us off here before we get into the pay-per-view at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Shows scheduled for Dallas and Houston, Texas on the 8th and 9th of, um, of January were canceled. The Dudley Boys and Taz made one night only returns at the Elks Lodge in, Queen, in Queens, New York. We saw this in the last paper. They had hyped this up. The Dudley's appearance was plugged constantly on the 8th, uh, 8th December episode of Hardcore TV and pictures and news of the show on the 16th, episode, 16th of December episode. Taz's appearance was not mentioned before he made a surprise appearance. ECW held their last show at the ECW Arena on the 23rd of December. It was not known by wrestlers at the time, so the building or company were not given any kind of a send-off, and it ended just like any other show. The final episode of Hardcore TV aired on December 30th. The main event was Christian York versus Jerry Lynn. This show and the 23rd, uh, December 23rd airing were taped on the 15th of December. I have included some dark matches in ECW Arena results from the 23rd in the, in the match notes, so any ECW Arena notes will appear after the TV episodes as they happened after the TV shows were taped. Someone had actually stolen the ECW television title belt sometime between Massacre on 34th Street and this show. Jim Duggan. (laughs) He was going (laughs) to unite them all. Yep. (laughs) Which is why Rhino is not seen with it. I can't find any information on whether or not it was recovered or who stole it. It was most likely stolen at the Elks Lodge show from Rhino's back. It was Paul Heyman. 
He bonded. <laughs> got money to bet. <laughs> it was New Jack. He went and got the car parts he needed. <laughs> Jerry Lynn from the uh, from RF Video shoot interview. Quote, unquote, he said that he didn't want to go to the final ECW pay-per-view, guilty as charged 2001, as he found out through Mikey Whipwreck they were only getting half of their paychecks. Lynn then said that he informed the rest of the locker room about this, and an hour before the show told Paul Heyman that he was not going to work the show. Lynn then asked Heyman if he would mind him watching the show backstage, as Heyman then told him he was going to be in the main event putting over RVD and would get his heat back as Heyman said he wouldn't. Heyman then tried to convince Lynn to wrestle the match, saying he would give him his full paycheck if he would put RVD over. Lynn said that he actually left his tights at home because he didn't want to be there to begin with and then ended up wrestling the match in pants that were too big on him and he had to use electrical tape to hold them up. Lynn ended up getting paid his full check that night. On how much Lynn is owed by Heyman, he said it was about three months behind in pay, owed 14 pay-per-view bonuses, and owed him what he made off of merchandise, then gives a lowball estimate of around $75,000. 14 pay-per-view bonuses? Is that what you said? Yeah. Isn't that pretty much all the pay-per-views? See, I don't know what... Uh, like, how... What... Because it sounds like they had a... Or if it's individual bonuses based on certain pay-per-views. Yeah. Like, you get the title bonus, you get the main event bonus. So it's like they got paid if they got paid to show up. They got paid to come to the show, but then they, on top of the buy rate, I guess, mm-hmm. they would get a bonus. Interesting. So, um, a little bit here. So, Hardcore TV, December 16th, York Matthews and Dreamer promo. Matthews with his arm wrapped in ice and a towel tells... <laughs> we still got Dan Marie, but Don Marie, <laughs> they would... they. They would have used her like a bowling ball. Put three fingers in, then throw you in the gutter. It's <laughs> a good line. Throw oh. you in the gutter. Terrible, though. But... <laughs> York is trying to get Matthews to a hospital. Cyrus promo with Jerry Lynn t- walking the streets of New York. Cyrus tells, tries to get a homeless guy to say Lynn is his favorite wrestler, but he mumbles something that sounds like Jeff Jarrett. Or that sounds like Jerry Jarrett. It's even worse. They both lay the boots of the guy while shouting, Jerry Lynn is the best. New Jack pinned to Angel with a 187 chair shot. Still, still going. Thing is effective. <laughs> Hardcore TV on the uh, 30th of December. Lynn and Cyrus backstage get. Lynn refers to himself as simply the best. Cyrus asks a child who his favorite wrestler is, and the kid responds with Rob Van Dam while doing the double thumbs. Lynn is furious as Van Dam isn't with the company anywhere. Did he beat up the kid? And he can't get any respect. After Lynn storms off, Cyrus gives the kid money for candy. Cyrus comes out and calls Matthews a handicap. He introduces Jerry Lynn as the greatest technician in ECW. Simply the greatest interview in ECW. The greatest luchador ever. The greatest luchador to ever come out from Minneapolis. And the (laughs) longest reigning ECW world champion of all time. Simply the best Jerry Lynn. Lynn tells York he will make him look good. As that's that's what I do around here. Fans chant, you sold out. Jerry Jerry Lynn pinned Chris York with a cradle pile driver. Cyrus distracted the ref at the count of two when York had Lynn beat, leading to a one-armed Matthews knocking him down outside the ring. And what a sad show. That sounds just sounds sad. Sounds really bad. So now let's get to the Hammerstein Ballroom. Around the same amount of people here in, in January of 2001. Joey hypes a crowd with Gertner in full fur, fur coat and sunglasses. He gives one last rhyme and then introduces York and Matthews, who are immediately attacked by DeBaldi's. Joel puts up a feeble attempt to attack Angel. Why? I don't know. And he's a DDT on the floor. 
They roll York and Matthews in the ring and continue the fight. The Baldies might look the best they've ever looked at a tag team, and the crowd responds to them. Because they are New York based, so that makes sense. Jerry Lynn and Cyrus casually walk out. Lynn hits the cradle pile driver on Matthews while York remains tied up with the with the Baldies. Lynn tags in Cyrus to make the cover on Matthews for an apparent pinfall victory. Afterwards, Lynn gets on the mic and talks down to Matthews and York. Your job's to make the stars look good. I did it for twelve fucking years. He then proclaims himself to be the whole fucking show and taunts the crowd chanting for RVD. He says Rob Van Dam isn't there and says RVD isn't the big surprise that he and that he, Jerry Lynn, won't compete unless it's in the main event because he's Jerry Lynn. So, wasn't a match, obviously, but we can talk about this opening bit. Jason, what did you think of this opening here with we got the math, we got Joel, we got Joe, we got Matthew, we got York, we got the Baldies, we got Lynn. It's insane. Um, thank you for not making me have to rate this. Um, yes. But I'm really hoping that this is going to be a better crowd because there are a lot of the same signs, like that giant Mikey and Tajiri bring me their head banner. Uh, apparently the people couldn't afford as good as seats this time because it's a lot higher up, but it's there. Um, the Gertner intro is... Uh, I hated it uh, because he's like all over that poor woman. And she just has like this look on her face, like, oh boy, being sexually harassed in public in front of all these people is really fun. Because uh, it's some pretty lewd shit that he says to him. Um, I like how it looks like Jerry Lynn is wearing Mongo's old tights. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, so I guess like he, he, this was his alternative because I was like, I thought it was a repackaging. Yeah. So they played it off well, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, we're. Some of the stuff that Cyrus says after he gets the win, he says, and I quote, Jerry Lynn is the greatest wrestler from the state of Minneapolis. <laughs> I missed that. And yeah, I was just like rolling. I was like, oh, um, I do like heel Jerry Lynn a lot because he's like any good heel. He's got his, you know, his whole reason for becoming heel is pretty legitimate. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I was I was supposed to make the stars. Now it's time for me to be the star. That's that's really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, like it's a, it's a great. I mean, it's more of the same old, same old. But I don't know. It feels like it's a completely different thing because instead of Cyrus coming out and attacking Joel, he's up here. He's with Jerry. It looks like he's gonna go into a managerial role for a little bit. I liked it. Charlie, what'd you think of it overall? The RVD tease, did you, like. If you hadn't watched, I mean, you, obviously you'd seen this plenty mm-hmm. of times beforehand, but uh, it was, I mean, it was different. It was a different way to go about it. Um, I like Jerry Lynn's attitude because I, I just, I just don't really buy him as a face. And not really. Uh, it's because I think he, he does have that big chip on his shoulder that he even had as a face. You know, he's, he always talks about being overlooked and, you know, WCW and, and stuff like that with Mr. JL. So it seems easier to buy the fact that he is so frustrated with his position in professional wrestling that he's just going to be, or he's going to take any opportunity he can to take advantage of any situation that he's in. And, and yeah, teaming up with Cyrus, that seems right. And Cyrus always was a champion for Jerry Lynn in those RVD matches, especially. So it was okay. Yeah, it was all right. It's an it's it's a good hot opening with that. Mm-hmm. It's a, with, in lieu of a match being a hot opener, they actually turned this segment into a pretty like because they you throw enough bodies into it, it maybe a little overbooked, whatever. But still, like 
pretty interesting start to the things. And what's good is like, it's a nice bookend. Like, will we, what's going to happen? Like, it leaves you with a question. Like, all right, so what are they going to do with Jerry Lynn? Well, Jerry's motivations, I think, are a little wonky once it gets towards the end. Because we'll get to it. Yeah. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So coming out of the opening video package, we've got a championship on the line. It's tag titles. And they're still around the waist of Danny Doring and Roadkill are defending against Hot Commodity. In this case, it's going to be Julio De Niro and Easy Money. I want to talk about briefly the background because this is pretty cool. Uh, December 23rd on Hardcore TV, Doring and Roadkill promo on winning the tag titles where they thank Taz, Perry Saturn, Dreamer, and Heyman. On December 30th, Danny Doring and Roadkill beat uh, DeBaldis to retain the tag team titles when Doring pinned DeVito with the buggy bang. During the match, Taz made a surprise appearance and choked out Danny Daniels. Post-match, Taz cut an in-ring promo noting that he and Perry Saturn trained the champions four years before and praised them for the training they survived and said he was proud of them. Moments later, Taz said, beat them if you can, survive if they let you, and hug both men. Easy Money and Julio De Niro beat Balls Mahoney and Nova when Money pinned Nova following an insiguri. That was just teaming up Balls Mahoney with everybody. Yeah. I thought that Taz scene was pretty but cool. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know he came back again. Just did that. That was really cool. Because it's sad with this ending, but at the same time, you know, we've got Danny Doring and Roadkill have reached a pretty cool pinnacle for themselves. But, Jason, let's talk about this match. Let's go through it. Survive if they let you, and then he hugs them. <laughs> that's that's probably a really weird sentence um easy money's in really really good shape now um is this where he's wearing the nylon see-through tights i think you just see his g-string the whole he's time got that g-string yeah i know at one point roadkill pulls it out that's how i remember yeah yeah um because easy money has a badass money clip over the barricade oh. Oh, it's so like cool. into the crowd and and doesn't hit any of those people and it's just it looked really good. Um, the atomic budget, yeah. I mean, like you were talking about how convoluted it is for just a clothesline, but it seems it's so much cooler as a if he was to convert that to an over the barricade into the crowd spot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he saved it for. Um, really good that way. You know, pretty good action. It's kind of weird that Easy Money's already getting a title shot considering how long it took Doring and Roadkill to get to. The- well, they got, um, but I mean, they got to get some tag teams because they keep breaking everybody up. Uh, the action is pretty good. Um, this match gets an extra points when I go to rate it because of Doring doing the early pin from the Three Stooges as he's spinning. Um, I think he's is he pinning Julio where he's and he's got him pinning. He's just spinning him around on the mat and his yes. shoulders and everything. Yes, um, that's right. But that was awesome. Because I started laughing because in the previous episode we talked about how you liked Roadkill because he reminded you of Curly. And I'm just going, ha-ha. Um, that's kind of coming up later. Uh, so I'm going to give this match seven. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, Charlie, what did you think, man? Uh, let's see here. Um, it, <laughs> it's fun. Uh, I really, what I wanted was Danny Doring and Roadkill versus Tajiri and Mikey Whipwreck. That's the match I want. You know, those are the two best teams. And it uh, looks like if there had been one more pay-per-view, that's probably what we would have ended up getting. Right. But I, I really like Easy Money. I, I do. I, just something about that guy that, that really clicks. He needs new tights. He does need new tights. But And the G-string, I, I don't really quite understand the gimmick either. I'm like, all right, Easy Money, he, he likes money. He's, I think he's from Las Vegas. Yeah. I think that's where he's built from. He's got all these money-related moves, yet he, he wears a G-string and... 
like they wear cowboy hats. I think I, it's I, a very weird group because again, the Confederate warrior Chris Hammond, right? And what, whatever he's way. doing there, he, of course he has to make some. I hate any time he enters a match. Like I just, I just want to see Jake Roberts from. Remember, God, remember the pay per view where. Um, you guys remember when Lance Wright does that flip springboard in the ring and Jake just... Oh, Jake ain't having it. <laughs> That's what I wish would happen when Chris Hamrick would enter the ring. But anyway, keep going, man. It's an okay match. I, I like Danny Dorian and Roadkill before he's going over. Um, I thought the setup for the uh, the buggy... Was it the buggy bang? Yeah. I thought it was a little ridiculous you know, that, that you would go for what looks like a victory roll on Roadkill. <laughs> you know, just... You know... You don't see guys. It's like going, when you see big guys try. They, when you see small guys try to Irish whip big guys, like yeah, dumb. Nope. Yeah, it just it doesn't really make any sense. But it's an okay match. I give it a five. I think I'm right at six. Like I again, I, uh, that was solid overall. I thought of the the combinations of people in Easy Money, Easy Money with or in Hot Commodity, having Easy Money with Julio De Niro is better because I still think De Niro is sloppy. I don't think he's that. He's definitely the weakest. That's how good Easy Money is. He's so good. I haven't really paid attention to Julio De Niro's right. work. Right. But um, afterwards, the Confederate warrior Chris Hamrick uh, needed to get his heat back, and he attacks the champs. Nova runs out and makes the save, which leads us into... The ref goes, hey, that sounds good. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Charles, tell us about Chris Hamrick versus Nova. Uh, I, I think it's Hamrick. He does a, a top rope uh, Hurricane Rana. Mm-hmm. Hamrick, he doesn't, he's kind of like easy money in that he doesn't look like with with his build to be the type of guy who could pull off moves like this, but man, yeah, because it it is literally a top rope hurricane rana like, like with with Nova. I think he's standing actually on the top rope, and it it looks amazing. Um, uh, what is this, Chef Chris Chetty? Does he come in as a ref? Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so yeah. Chris Chetty lost the loser leaves ECW match in our previous pay per view review, but. He can come in as a referee, I guess. You know, just okay, just throw on a shirt. Um, Spike Dudley comes in, and once again, like we didn't mention it, but we're watching more of like I think this is the Pioneer Entertainment version, home video version of this pay per view, and so the music's going to be different. This is a better. These guys do a much better job. They do. I'm like, I guess we're going to have real music every now and then because Spike Dudley comes out and you know, da da da. It's Highway to Hell. I'm like, all right. Let's do it. Um, Spike Dudley ends up making the three count. I thought that was a little... Bleh, like, all right. And the, which is great, too, because right when Spike starts counting, the real ref who took a ref bump actually starts making it, like going to make a count. But Spike makes the three, and the real ref just... Oh, whatever. <laughs> he just doesn't yeah, stop it or anything so, like that. It's weirdly That's overbooked. sloppy here. and just ridiculous. And I don't really know what they're doing with Nova other than he's just going to interfere in the first match and have a, and be in the second and, and match. And Louis Dangerously is in this mess too, isn't he? Is, is that, he not? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's it, right. That's right. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's not very good. He, once again, Jason, another, another deductible, another cell phone yep. is destroyed yeah. over another person. <laughs> I they mean, keep it up, they're going to lose their coverage. <laughs> <laughs> the, thing, the thing I don't get is, like, usually, in order to have a heel ref, you have to have a heel authority figure, right? Right. So, like, like, like Louis Dangerously has no power. No. In fact, Heyman destroyed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... It feels like that's building up to a match that I do not want. No. So I, I, I guess uh, I'm... Because uh, this whole thing's a, like a mess where Nova locks in the chicken wing. 
Which hammer, is cool. Hammer backs him into the, uh, the buckle. Mm-hmm. And he, what's so sad is, I think Chris Hammer tried to do the Brett. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. He tried and, to do the WrestleMania 8. No, and he just screws it up. And, which is weird because the crowd doesn't eat him alive for that. You know, like that's a very familiar spot. And, and yeah, Brett used to do it all the time. No, Hamrick almost crushes Nova with his body weight on it. One quick example of no, angry Nova. Electra rakes his eyes and he's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, doesn't he do a move tour? I think he uh, does. He, I don't know if I have it listed, but I'm pretty sure he does a, a move to, to Electra. Um, I know last time, she, last show, she got the kryptonite crunch. Oh, okay. All right. That's what I'm thinking of. God, these looked, things are running together. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it looked good, though. I remember. Um, I'd give this a four. Yeah. Jason, where'd you have this? Um, I'm just waiting on Joey Styles to say that Ric Flair copied Nova with the figure four <laughs> at any point in time. Um, but the, the match was okay. I mean, like it was just because it just kind of happened. Um, not really into it. And there's way too much shit going on for a no for a meaningless match. Um, cause I mean, you get, here comes Chetty and that ref count and then the match stops, but then here comes spike and then the match goes on and then spike gets the pin. And I don't know, it was just a, a big clusterfuck. Um, I like the line at some point uh, where Louis Dangerously is talking shit to Spike, and he says, "I would never call myself a Dudley." <laughs> right. I was like, "Oh, I was like, I mean, like that—that's really good, um, right there." But again, it's in more throwaway shit. Um, I'm with Charlie on this a four. I'm across the board four with wow. you guys. Yeah, I think it's the first time we've all agreed. Well, it's just yeah, it was just I feel bad that this is the Nova spot now. It's like, well, you just come in and you know. We'll just carry the momentum from one match into another. Bizarro Nova. Like, yeah. that's, what they, that's what they should have done. Bizarrova. I can't. I was, trying to, I was trying to reason that out when you first mentioned it last show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, it's no good. And yet it's, I still brought it from so across okay. the hall. Um, it's just weird that his spot, his spot hasn't changed. Right. Because it was just run out and save a tag team or fight a tag team with Chetty. And now that he and Chetty are single, it's just run out and fight this individual. And uh, just same old, same old. Yeah. All right. So backstage, the champion, Steve Carino, recounts his incredible year in ECW from being a comedy act, Rhino's manager, to being the ECW world champion. But he doesn't have the belt, but he says he's going to be walking out with it tonight. Mm -hmm. It's not bad. It's pretty good. Like, I like his acknowledgement of where he came from because it is incredible. He He took the DDP route. That's right. That leads us into our next match. It is a follow-up from where we were with uh, the massacre on 34th Street. It is an I Quit match between C.W. Anderson and Tommy Dreamer. And it's essentially a blow-off match. It really is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, there's, some, there's, there's, there's some good build here. Um, December 9th, promo package with Simon Diamond and Swinger, Anderson and Don Marie. Anderson tells Don Marie she or any other woman don't belong in wrestling. He says he made a mistake in pinning Dreamer at massacre on 34th Street. And next time, he wants to make him submit. December 16th, Dreamer responds to Anderson's taping threat in a shouty manner by saying he can also make CW tap. CW cuts off Don Marie's promo on New York and Matthews. I hate women in this business. I hate the feminine side of humanity. He proceeds to call <laughs> Dreamer feminine and again tells him he's going to make him tap. 
I bet he voted for Trump, is what Colin's note was. <laughs> Hardcore TV, December 23rd. Styles brings York and Matthews to the ring for an interview. Before they can speak, Diamond, Swinger, Anderson, and Don Marie come to the ring. York responds to Diamond's Simon has a problem intro by saying, Don Marie's problem is she sucks too much dick. I don't think that's a problem. (laughs) York and Matthews attack Diamond and Swinger before CW super kicks York and hits a sort of stunner to the arm of Matthews. After York takes a problem solver, Dreamer tries to make the save, but is taken out with a spine buster. Bubba and Devon chase everyone off before hitting Dawn Marie with What's Up? Oh, ooh. (laughs) December 30th, a Dreamer promo ends with Anderson attacking Dreamer with the armbar, yelling for Dreamer to quit. This was the last thing ever to air on ECW TV. TV taping dark match December 15th, Dreamer and the Dudley Boys with Joel Gertner defeated Simon Diamond with Don Marie, Johnny Swinger, and C.W. Anderson at 21 minutes and 17 seconds when Dreamer pinned Swinger following the 3D after Bubba put Don through a table with the Bubba bomb off the top rope. <sighs> Dreamer uh, wore a Dudley Boys sweater for the match. The, oh, the Dud- old blue one? Yeah. Mm. The Dudleys had no ring music for the contest and were introduced by Joel Gertner during the bout. Dreamer, Gertner, the ring attendant, and Bubba danced as Too Cool with a Too Cool theme music, during which Dreamer pulled down his pants to reveal a thong. After the bout, the crowd chanted, Please don't go and thank you, Dudleys, with Paul Heyman then appearing as Bubba thanked him for what he did for the team. And then said the door was open for them to help ECW in the future. I bet it was. <laughs> it was, too. December 23rd, Easy Money, Julio De Niro, and Chris Hamrick defeated Dreamer, Christian York, and Joey Matthews when Money pinned Dreamer with a moonsault after C.W. Anderson interfered and attacked Dreamer. What a weird... I mean, uh, it's fitting on this on this final Prime show that we got, like, the craziest, like, Tommy Dreamer in a thong. Oh, God. So, uh, Jason... Take it away, sir. Thanks, man. Hang on. I just need to wash the where I threw up in my mouth at the idea of Tommy Dreamer in a thong. Hang on. Mm. So uh, they really, really harp on this match with it being the could this be the end of Tommy Dreamer? Wasn't last pay-per-view the end of Tommy Dreamer? I think it's every pay-per-view. My pain is self-chosen. I'm surprised we didn't get that. You know, another Tommy Dreamer desire. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just one more goddamn time. Um, Just a video package of him getting pinned. um, Real quick, what what I was laughing my ass off at is Tommy Dreamer is wrestling in a Logan's Roadhouse t-shirt. Yes, yes. It's not Jimmy Jones, but... (laughs) (laughs) I need more buttery croissants. I got a match in an hour. Is he being Um, sponsored by Logan's Roadhouse? Did he decide to invest? You know, he's like, it's just weird um, to see him do that. I really wish someone would smack the hell out of the uh, dude that keeps putting his hands in front of Tommy Dreamer's face. The bald guy. Okay. Oh, dude, we're going to get to that motherfucker. I love when the crowd turns. Oh, they eat on him. Oh, God. That guy. Oh, it's just bad. Um, And what's cool is when, you know, like this gets, this gets pretty intense. It gets really, really violent up to the next level. Um, and I can't, someone grabs the ring bell and someone in the crowd yells, hit him in the ding dong with the ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just laughing my ass off. We get a towel boy appearance. Yep. Um, 
and with some shenanigans in there. And this is what was weird is last month was the massacre on 34th street. There was nothing Christmassy about the whole fucking pay-per-view. Other than, but we get presents this month. I know. Oh yeah. And, and, well, he goes like, well, since it's the Christmas season, holiday season, <laughs> they celebrate three Kings day. In ECW. I guess so. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just, it was just weird. Uh, the, again, we get more of the CW Anderson stalling suplex. It's really, really good, especially someone as big as Tommy Dreamer there. Um, and then we got more of here's Cyrus saying we may. This is wait. Cyrus says we may be seeing the end of Tommy Dreamer. Joey says he's heard that before. Cyrus says never from someone with my expertise. You just fucking said that last month. Mm. Like they're even he's they're running script, out of material. Yeah, it's just like yeah. Um, but you know, the I quit comes through because that. They shatter that table, and I thought C.W. Anderson quit because he was probably really getting cut in the eye where Tommy wraps that part of the table around his eyes and pulls on it because he yells, I quit, pretty quickly. Um, And then after all this, especially we're talking about that the the promos and stuff that Anderson's like cutting on Tommy, then they shake hands. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Um, I give, I mean, it's still like, this is a a pretty intense match. Everything said about it. I give it a six. Nice. How about you, Charlie? What'd you think? Well, I was really nervous when this started because I never heard I Quit Match until I saw the ref with the microphone and I started having WrestleMania 11 flashbacks like with how awful like this type of match is when, when the ref is booked to stick a microphone in your face. And you're like, yeah, no. But, man, I'm so happy that it wasn't WrestleMania 11. I love this match. Yeah. I lo- this is so good. I think it's better than the last one. Um, C.W. Anderson looks amazing in this thing. And Tommy, Tommy get, gets cut. His blood looks great. The Talboy stuff I love because it's like that's a callback. And t- the Talboy's trying to get revenge. He eats it with that standing superplex, and he takes it full on. Yeah, it looks incredible. Um, this was the first time, I don't know why it took me this long, but this is the first time that I noticed the blue mats outside, which is something that Joey Styles used to criticize WWF and WCW for, was the pretty blue mats. We don't have any of those here in ECW. Well, maybe you should. You know, that's what we used to say. And yeah, they finally got them out there. Now, granted, sometimes when a move happens on the outside, they miss the mats completely. The mats were not well put together. They weren't. No, no, no. They're not like connected or anything. It's like uh, it's like those mats they used to make us nap on in kindergarten. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Just get those. I think it was on purpose because at some point they do say that the the New York Athletic Commission requires them to have the mats. Good. They so should. if they I mean, yeah, they should. So if they're just like, here's our rebellious way is we're just gonna fucking throw them out there. They're just there to be there. They're but they're not gonna do any good. Sure. I'm not gonna say it's Tommy's best feud. Because I honestly, I'm sure if I went back on net, on the network and watched more of those hardcore TVs where he was feuding with Raven and Sandman, that I would say that that's it. But this is my favorite feud that he's had. It's it's positive he hit. Uh, if we're ending this prime line of the that he wins, well, that. But he has a good, a really solid series of matches with somebody. Yeah, and we don't C.W. Say that Anderson. Like I would not think just by looking at them that these two could work well together, 
but like I was really invested watching these two guys fight in both this match and the previous one. And I'll, I would actually say this is Tommy Dreamer's best match from this entire nice. season. Nice. Yeah, even though he won, which I'm really happy that he won because I mean I was kind of like he, he needs to win. he needs to he win. Does. It's not like John Cena where he, oh oh he lost. Well, he'll get the win back. Don't worry about it. I'm not 100% sure if Tommy's going to get the win back. Right. You know, or if CW's just going to bury him. But at some point, somebody has to win. Otherwise, then I'm just like, I know you're going to lose. Right. I don't, I don't care. But Tommy won the match, and the way he won was brutal. Now, I was trying to remember it in my head, because I, I did remember that he won this match. But in my mind, I was thinking, oh, this is the one where he wins by putting the barbed wire over his eyes. Right. Yeah, because they break out the barbed wire in this one. this is edited out? Because, like, you know, like, the way he does it with that piece of the table, and he you think they added that out on the network because of you know Benoit and all that stuff? I didn't watch it on the network. I'm curious, but them, they might have because I mean, it, I don't know what that part of the table feels like. It's like I agree. Is it Jason, just steel? I'm sure he was probably like, "Fuck me, I'm out, I'm done." Because it looks like it's me. bending. Yeah, you know, it just yeah, it's probably a smart thing to tap out. I don't know if it was the, the best thing to have them shake hands. I don't know how I feel about that because it feels like there should be one more match. But you know, but you know what it is, though. They know it's the end. They know yeah, they probably, the end. probably. Tommy knows. Yeah, there's probably no other wrestler in the locker room who knows about you know as much about the company as he does. You know, maybe he told CW something. I don't know. But I honestly think CW could have been a star in this promotion. Yeah. Uh, and it's unfortunate that he didn't really go on to WCW or well, WCW only had like a month left too. Right. But he didn't go to WWF. That's another one that confounds me a little bit because I'm just like, all right, so maybe you don't carry on that he's an Anderson gimmick. Maybe you need to. Just retool that maybe a little bit. Yeah, you can still keep the name, but maybe the less of the Arn Anderson stuff. Yeah, but. calm it down a bit, and and maybe change up his ring attire because I mean I love the hand thing that he does, but the fact that he had that on his that looked childish when he had it on his uh, his his singlet looks kind of like on his singlet. Yeah, like it could use a bit of a repackaging, but like he's he's just got an amazing offense. Like that, I just love. I love. What's that move that he does? The uh, we talked about it in the last episode. Ferris wheel? It's the Ferris wheel. That that weird looking suplex that looks like it should never work, yeah. but he pulls it off every single time. And Tommy made him look good, and he made Tommy look good. Yeah, you know, I was, it is. So it was really satisfying to see Tommy get the win here. So yeah, I'd give it a, a hell. I'll give it an eight. All right. Yeah. I think I, I have it at a six. I have it a solid six. I liked it. I did. Rope breaks so don't belong in a uh, I quit match. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's dumb. true. I don't. I, I and I don't. I'm not trying to nitpick because if we are, then the handshake thing could very well would kill. If we're gonna, if you're gonna nitpick, you get somebody would write that off as I killed the match by doing that stupid thing at the end. But the handshake. Well, yeah, because I mean, look how brutal it was. Right. It's like stinging Triple H's handshake. It'll never make sense to me ever. You can never explain that to me in a way that I'd be okay with it. No. <clears throat> but yeah, overall. I, I, I agree with you, like, um, in terms of it being, like, um, maybe Tommy Dreamer's best series of matches. Yeah. Um, Consistent quality. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, because we only got, like, this was chapter three, right? This was the third, was this the third one? Second. This is the second one, so we did he, he missed out one. on... Um, November. Right? November. Mm-hmm. Right. He's in the beginning, he was in the beginning, and Anderson beat him down in that. Remember? Okay. He's in the very, because he comes out with the Ricky Martin... Crap. Oh yeah, that that kind of <laughs> bullshit music. But anyway, yeah. All right, so let's go backstage. Francine fillets or tries to, um, I don't know, feel out a massive hoagie. She's gonna bite that four foot subs dick off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Carino comes in and wants to get favors from Francine, but since he doesn't have the belt, she won't touch him. She says Justin Credible is in a meeting with Missy Hyatt, which is also wow. interesting. Steve Carino knocks on the door and then walks off. Justin Credible does emerge, and so does Missy Hyatt in a towel, who says it's been two hours and wonders if Francine has any Viagra for Justin Credible. Missy walks off, presumably, to continue the fling somewhere else. Justin Credible yells at Francine. The camera goes to the hallway where Carino and Victory are shocked that it is, in fact, Missy Hyatt. Victory then gets upset when Missy doesn't remember managing him. High spots afterwards. So she managed Jack Victory when he was a wrestler. When was this? Because I, 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 it may have been pre ECW. Well, sure. Oh, that's what I'm thinking it was, too. It looks like Jack Victory hasn't wrestled in 10 years. But where did he wrestle? It may have been down like in Memphis because remember Missy Hyatt was around where she ran with Eddie Gilbert right. for a while. So in that, that kind of Memphis, Smoky Mountain territory, just, she might have been around. It's just I know nothing about Jack Victory before this ECW stint. Right. You know, that's always been like the big mystery is like, where did this guy come from? Um, so, but he gets a good line on her. When she starts running off, he turns around and yells, we had the tag titles for one week because of you. <laughs> like yelling at her like all angrily. All right. This is stupid. What? Oh, go ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. This this segment is stupid. I agree. It's so weird. I mean, fucking stupid. Like, you know, we were talking about the the segment last month where uh, Francine's like, "Oh, I'm gonna fuck you because you got the belt," and it turns out to just be a way for just incredible to come in there and beat on him. Like this, more waste of time. Mm-hmm. A lot more waste of time. Yeah, it's it is a bizarro segment, but um. Up next, we've got the full-blooded Italians. This is a three three-way dance tag match. Jesus the FBI God. are taking on Super Crazy and Kid Cash, who are also taking on Tajiri and Mikey Whipwreck. All right. So, Hardcore TV, December 9th. The skit with Sinister Minister looking for lost souls on the streets of New York. <laughs> Guess who he finds? The Blue Boy and Jasmine. After Jasmine asks if Sinister liked bisexuals, he responds, Playing with bisexuals is among my favorite pastimes. <laughs> as soon as the minister realized that she meant him and Blue Boy rather than her with another woman, he made his excuses and ran off. Hardcore TV, December 23rd, the FBI beat the Unholy Alliance when Guido pinned Tajiri following a Mameluke low blow and... Um, what is The Pescado? Yes, okay. Um, and a kiss of what kiss of death. Mikey was wearing an FBI T-shirt for some reason. That's what I was trying to reason out that note. Kiss of death. Okay. The Jet Li movie. Oh, was that was that Kiss the Dragon? Kiss of death is a movie. I just don't. Okay, I bet it is. That's it the is. title of the movie. It's somewhere. the title of the movie. December twenty third, the Unholy Alliance defeated uh, the FBI in a two out of three falls match. Fall 1 ended when Tajiri and Whipwreck simultaneously submitting. Fall 2, Tajiri pinned Mameluke. Fall 3, Tajiri made Mameluke submit. <laughs> they submitted simultaneously. That sounds, and again, an ECW type of finish. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay. Charlie, this is a, there's a lot going on here in this match. What do you think? Uh, it's, it's average. Um, oh, I'm sorry. This is, I missed, the, this is what happens when we do three in a row. This is where the words my pizza salivated. Right. My bad. Right. I will say uh, Kid Cash zero, top rope one. Because <laughs> uh, Kid Cash, I mean, he goes for, I'm trying to remember what it was, like a top rope dive. 
and man, he just completely eats the mat. And the crowd gets all over him. And Kid Cash, it's weird because Kid Cash is, he doesn't botch very much. You know, for a guy who does all these amazing high-risk moves all the time, he doesn't screw up that often. But no, he did here. It didn't look good. I marked out a bit when Mikey Whipwreck, he did the DiBiase uh, fist drop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, definitely. I, don't, I haven't seen too many wrestlers, none I can think of off the top of my head that's done that other than DiBiase. Um, Tajiri and Mikey win because this is a number one contenders match. Yes. So Tajiri and Mikey get the win, and it's like, oh, they're going to face Danny Doring and Roadkill. No. Unfortunate, because that is a match I'd really want to see. Um, I think my fatigue has finally just kicked in. I, I'm sick and tired of this. Uh, Guido deserves better. Tajiri certainly deserves more. And super crit. Man, they've got all these this great talent. And th- it's that WCW problem. Only ECW never gets criticized for it, where... You know, Dean Malenko would talk about it. He goes, there was a ceiling with guys like us. You know, it's like we could never move beyond the cruiserweight division. I mean, it worked fine for the first year or two, but it's like eventually we, well, we want to do something else. Instead of fighting the same guys over and over and over again. That's the problem. The TV title was supposed to, ideally, it was supposed to probably be for these types of guys. But the yes. Problem, but the, the problem is largely it's dominated by two guys for this right. entire run. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's true. And yeah, when you got Rob Van Dam, yeah, that's true. And super crazy. He was TV champ for for a hot minute. Yeah, but you know that's that's over. Yeah, I'd give this a I'd give this a five. Five. Okay. How about you, Jason? Um, the match it it is. It's I've been more fatigued on this for a while than before Charlie did. But um, there's just a wonderful let's all go to the top rope. Let's all go to the top rope. Let's all go to the top rope and have ourselves a spot bit. That shit just gets old. Um, you got six people in a match, and all of them want to do it and, and do it at one time. Real annoying. Um, something that happens a lot today. Um, Mikey and Tajiri kill Tony Mamaluke for a little bit. Um, that was real fun to see. Uh, ACW is cool that you can just change corners whenever you want to when you're in a tag team match. Yeah, Guido gets a tag while he's in the middle of the ring. Not to mention, why are we breaking up pinfalls in a three? Oh my god! Why are we doing that? Hmm. Yep. Well, then Um, Cyrus makes a call like, "Oh, I didn't let him get the pin. That was smart." And it's like, this isn't a triple threat, right? It's not one fall to a finish, right? So anyway, Jason, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, the uh, Tony does a excellent job selling that whippersnapper. That he gets from Mikey, it looks really good. And then Guido's oh shit face when he realizes that Tajiri's about to kick the living shit out of him, it is really good. Like it, it really sells like how much everyone is afraid to get kicked by Tajiri. Um, this is just, I mean, it's it just it is what it is. I give it a five. Okay, um, I'm at six. Um, the the one of the best smart ass lines from the crowd I've ever heard. Hey Sal, I can't see. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So simple, but so effective. Because <laughs> it's one where I could just match that. Those are the kind that hurt. You fat fuck! <laughs> so, I saw I can't see. Oh. I just can't see. Oh man, <laughs> I lost twenty pounds. You can't tell. Yeah, th- I'm. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, they're they this this series of matches hit a ceiling probably. I would say last one, the Kid Cash introduced there with Super Crazy like that. Yep. Man, the stuff they did leading up to that finish with Tajiri with the double stomp, it hit its ceiling. There wasn't a lot more they could do 
in this. If ECW had continued, I would actually love to know how much longer this shit would have gone on. Right. Because the, these guys, I mean, they've been fighting each other for years. Yeah. On pay-per-view. <laughs> Tajiri had a world title match on a pay-per-view with Taz. That was his ceiling. And then he went permanent lower card. Right. And he is so over. Right. Yeah. I agree, though. The, the number one thing that's a sad, the saddest part of this is we're never going to get to see that, that match with them at Roadkill. And, um, it's, not that it's, it's, it's not just that I want to see it. I want to know who would win. Right. You know, who would they book to win that? Yeah. God. So, Tajiri versus Roadkill? Like, yeah. <laughs> I had that at a six. I, did I say that already? Yep. Okay, good. All right. Uh, backstage, a Sandman lights a cigarette. I love this promo, by the way. Sandman lights a cigarette and says... There isn't a problem giving the belt to the ref of the match tonight. He says, I am the king of extreme. I am the hardcore icon. Who are you going to bet on? Um, it was nice because it was like, he seemed pretty sober, pretty subdued, pretty cognizant of what he was saying. Like, it sounded like he, he you know, he didn't seem like he kind of faltered in what he was talking about. And in, in a way, it felt like this is a, this is the end type of promo for him too. You know what I mean? I liked it. All right. In the ring. Swinger takes the mic from Simon and says that he has a problem. Swerve. Yeah. Well, that have been well, Swinger, Simon, and Swerve. That would be their, <laughs> their statement. Sounds like a, a attorney firm. <laughs> Simon is a um, Yeah, Swinger is a little jealous that he hasn't benefited from Don Marie. I say benefited in quotes. We all know that. Well, Don Simon's Marie. the real-life boyfriend, so... Uh... Kayfabe, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, you understand. It's kayfabe. So he has enlisted the help of the Blue Boy and his Lady Jasmine. To which now I'm like, oh, I guess the Blue Boy's the Godfather. They made him into the Godfather for a little bit. Um, she was a real active porn star, Jasmine St. Clair. Yeah, she has been with ECW for a while now. Yeah, like it's. Remember we had a we had a oh god, what's her name? For a minute. Oh, for two yeah. like a couple shows in a row, was we it had Jameson, a, was it? Yeah, Jan, oh, it was it Jenna. J- okay, it's hilarious, but all right. All right, so go to ECW. We've got we've got a tag match on our hands though. Is uh, Simon and Swinger going to be taking on the team of Chili Willie and Balls Mahoney? Chili Balls is back in the picture for one last run. So Charlie, we're counting this. I guess so. Rhino breaks this shit up immediately. (laughs) So I mean, just lead us through that. You know, I mean, we don't have to rate. Yeah, there's no rating for this really. Oh yeah, there's no rating. Just lead us through this. Uh, Rhino just. Is a monster. I mean, he just comes... He's like Kane in Royal Rumble 2001. It just destroys everything. He gores Don Marie. Looks really good. But man, the spot of all spots. Pile drives Jasmine St. Clair from the second rope just to the mat. I give her credit. A lot oh, of credit I, for oh, taking I, this. Man respect. Yeah, I just... Because at first it was like, oh, her ass is hanging out. Woo! And then he picks her up. Oh, shit. Like, and then, thunder. Oh, I loved it. And Rhino cuts this little promo saying that he's not done. He's like, oh, foreshadowing for what, yeah. what could be coming. He says he's not done. That's the thing. Like, there's something. Something's uh, coming. Something's coming. We don't know what, but. So, like, I won't. There's no rating to give this, but I just love Rhino. I just, I just want to see. It's it's like how you want to see, how you wanted to see Goldberg destroy everything, but. Rhino actually can do like a 20-minute match, like that's quality. So, Jason, what did you think of this? Did you like it? This yeah, play? man. Yeah. It's like what Charlie said. It's just devastation. On Just Rhino shows up, 
kills everyone, gives Jasmine St. Clair the Sandwoman treatment, tells everybody he's not done, and moves on. This is really good. Um, unfortunately, he had the little stupid shit about I'm not getting to fuck anybody, but I guess that's how you get Blue Boy and Jasmine St. Clair out there for the extra bodies for Rhino to just plow through. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's fun. It's really fun. I did like that Chili Willy was the only one who stood up to him. Yeah, I, it was so I cool. Thought that was a cool little moment. That's a for guy, him. man. I really like. I like him, him too. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, yeah. he's a good worker. I, like he would have killed the cat. Like yes. Ernest, he would have just murdered Ernest Miller. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'd have been okay with that. I where was this guy like not getting called to WWE to do something? I don't anything. know him from anything else other than this. And yeah, and he got a few shots in on Rhino too. And yeah, and, and props to Rhino for for helping get Chili Willy over a little bit, like to do that. Because that was very memorable. It's like, Chili Willy's going to do something? Oh, shit. So, um, what's also amazing about this is that Rhino is somehow instantly backstage. <laughs> he is backstage and says he hasn't done yet. He lives for violence. And possibly Jasmine St. Clair sucking his cock. Okay. If he has time. If she's still, Rhino's a if busy she's still man. conscious. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if her neck isn't broken. Alright, so up next is presumably I say presumably our main event. Mm-hmm. We have <laughs> stop me if this sounds familiar. Oh god. Steve Carino versus Just Incredible versus the Sandman for the ECW world title in a ladder match this time though. It should have just been Steve Carino versus Sandman. Like that sounds like a match I'd want to see. So let's go through this here on the on the uh, build up here. Hardcore TV December 9th. Jack Victory interrupts a Sandman promo, telling him he is there for Stevie's belt. Sandman spits beer in his face, and Carino <laughs> attacks Sandman from behind. They don't realize until they have left the locker room that neither took the belt. Carino backs down from going back for it as Sandman is back on his feet and ready to fight. Victory goes back in, but fails. Hardcore TV December 30th. Francine. Waits for Justin Credible in a car park. After nagging at him for a bit, she walks off. Justin then reveals he has Jasmine St. Clair in his car, hiding under a blanket. Later, Francine is complaining to Credible that her money has gone down, as she isn't managing the champion anymore. Blue Boy stops by to make sure Credible is enjoying the services of the Blue Boy Management Company. He passes off the conversation to Francine as politicking and putting over the jabronis. Elks Lodge on December 15th, ECW World Champion Steve Carino with Jack Victory defeated the Sandman in a last man standing match at 1622. Both men were down for the 10 at 1540, with referee Jim Molyneux then announcing that the next, ma- next man to his feet would leave with the belt. Since when? Since now? <laughs> Carino then grabbed the referee, distracting him as the Sandman rose to his feet and was knocked down by Victory. After the bout, Justin Credible laid out Carino until Victory fought him all the way backstage. Moments later, Sandman grabbed the mic and said, though Carino won, Sandman was leaving with the title belt. On December 23rd, ECW World Champion Steve Carino with Francine defeated the Sandman and Justin Credible in an elimination match. The bout was scheduled for Carino versus Credible, but became an elimination match after the Sandman, who had the title belt, appeared before the contest began. Carino pinned Credible with the old school expulsion. Carino pinned the Sandman after hitting him with a cowbell. And after the match, Sandman laid out both men and once again left with the belt. So, uh, Charlie, now properly you get the match. And the Motorhead version of Sandman. Damn it. Yeah. Okay, so Enter Sandman starts playing and I'm like, 
that was nice of Pioneer to pay for Intercept. Ah, shit, it's Motorhead. <laughs> like, that's okay, because that's still a good version of the song, but, you know, it's not the real thing. Um, man, this is, this, is, uh, this is the match. Sandman is so... I, I, he seems just drunk. It, it falls off the ladder uh, through the table. Pops right back up. It's incredible. I'm just like, <laughs> it's amazing. Like it really is. I'm just like this. And, and I had like these flashback memories of uh, one of my favorite Mick Foley stories from Have a Nice Day, where he, he talks about wrestling the Sandman, and he's like, he was so hammered, I couldn't pin him. <laughs> he just kept kicking out, and I'm like, I'm like, stay down. <laughs> he's just, no, I love it. Stay down. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, I do not like this match. It's not very good. Um, um, they haven't mastered ladder matches. No, ECW's never really had a good shitty, one. Like, oh, they're um, terrible. Well, the ladder breaks. And then they break out uh, this monster ladder. And then Chris Jericho decides to pull the belt up again. <laughs> <laughs> the Millennium Man. Yeah, because the belt starts getting pulled up and Sandman can't quite get it. But like watching it happen, it wasn't quite obvious that the belt was getting pulled. Like You could see it, but I mean, it wasn't like it was getting you know, jerked up like it was at King of the Ring, was at 99. Um, yeah, and Sandman winning the belt was cool. I think he's the only wrestler to win the ECW title four times. Yeah. So, you know, w- when winning a belt a certain number of times meant something, yeah. it's like, wow, four? Because I think Shane had the lead at, at three, or at least he was tied with Sandman. Yeah. But, yeah, the match, it's no good. I'd give it a four. Gotcha. Jason, where are you at with this, bud? Um, I like the Motorhead Metallica cover. I just said I, I mean, did. It's good. Yeah, I mean, I I really like because I mean, I I really like Motorhead. Um, it to me, it it that version of it gave was seemed like they were going to give Sandman a different just edge to him because I mean, you know, going through the whole I'm going to steal the belt and not only just steal it but somehow continue to keep it through I mean, that whole time. Was all, I don't think this think? is what he used. I no, this isn't what he used. No. no, he never actually came out to the Motorhead yeah. version. But it's really oh. good. He should have yeah, loved still, to have heard him. Yeah, it's still a good version. Because, Jason, I, I get where you're going with it. That would have been a neat twist on it. Yeah, you just you know change someone up by slightly changing their, their music. Um, I like Cyrus makes a, a great call where he says he'd rather get in a car with Sandman oh than get in a play. I wrote it down. I'm glad you brought it up. Love that line. Great line. <laughs> I mean, it's- fucking terrible they're just like they're not even like pretending just going oh he he had likes to have a good time he gets a little buzz on they're like this is a full-blown <laughs> highly functional alcoholic the only thing i would have topped it if you said i'd rather get in the car with him while jasmine st Clair's in the car too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um tremendous tremendous <laughs> it turns into a spot like carly said the match isn't really good because there's a lot of i'm just gonna throw the ladder at you mm. a lot of that um it just it is just real sloppy. They break the two ladders, the big ladder comes out, you get the Jericho spot. Um, and then it's like Carino and Credible try to do this great, you know, like this is supposed to be some big epic, we're gonna take each other out of the equation ma- like maneuver and go through that table, and it looked like shit. Oh, the bulldog? It, yeah. Oh, and then they replay it at the end. And I'm like, dude, yeah. that don't replay that. Nope. And then Sandman just moseys on up and gets the belt. Francine with a coochie canrana. Coochie canrana. Yeah. Which Forgot is almost the- off camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then they all shake hands again. <laughs> oh, yeah. God almighty. It's another weird spot. And, like, 
Well, first of all, Jason, what'd you rate it? Um, I gave this a five. Five. I'm exactly the same. I'm right at five as well with it. Sandman definitely looks like, you know, he, he as drunk as he might be, like, you can tell this is like, this is the last moment that I'm really going to have to enjoy this. And it is, I never knew. And when I heard it, what you were talking about, number of times he held the belt, I was like, you're kidding me. He held the belt the most? Wow. Wow. You don't have to be a good wrestler to be over. No. no. Even an ECW. I think it's actually a testament to It him. is. Now, I've always been fascinated by Sandman because I never considered him a wrestler. I've always wanted to know what his backstory was into getting into wrestling. Yeah, totally. Because he can't, he can't wrestle. And I, and I don't mean that in a snarky kind of John Cena kind of way. He really can't. But it's such a good character and such an entrance. I mean, it's the Undertaker entrance of ECW. Yeah. And the fans love him. Yeah. So, we, all right, let's, all right. Um, Sandman's got the belt. Seemingly, okay, great, awesome. He is the champion. Well, afterwards, Jack Victor, um, actually, yeah, we just, you just mentioned this, the handshake thing. So, yeah, the handshake is definitely um, this weird bit. And Sandman um, gets, the, gets to shake hands with him, and then the Baldies hit the ring. And then Justin Incredible and Steve Carino easily just take the fight to them. They become a tag team. They, they, I, well, we'll see that later. Yep. Which is nice. Not- Sad, but nice. Sandman just decided, all right, I'm going to go pose now. Oh, here we go. And then Rhino sneaks in the ring. And then sadly slips, or his, his foot gets caught in the leg of a chair, and it kind of causes a bad gore. It's, it's bad, and the crowd explode on Rhino, but it's so good. Because yeah. Rhino picks up our microphone and, fuck you, New York. <laughs> it's weird. The, the bell rings, he gores him, right. and then magically a referee appears. The crowd gets on him. He gets a mic. He says, how can I be TV champion for a company that has no TV? Brilliant. He has a point, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> he goads Sandman to give him a match for the ECW title now. Sandman responds, fuck you. He threatens Sandman's family's lives, who we don't see. We never see the Sandman. Like, Boy Boy here? Yeah. We never see them, which you'd think we would, considering the history with Rhino. He might have Sandman might have been so drunk, he might have thought they were there. Like, I think Rhino just took advantage of his inebriation. <laughs> oh, God, they're here? Oh, ring the fucking bell! <laughs> and by family being there, he meant the other 12-pack of Budweiser that was just in the back. Don't throw them out. <laughs> Sand, all right. Um, he threatens their lives, which means... I'm sorry. He threatens their lives. Sandman says, ring the damn bell. But the problem is they already did, so that you don't hear it again. <laughs> Rhino destroys him with a table gore. But somehow Sandman kicks out. Just Drunk again. Here we go. <laughs> Cyrus leaves commentary. Rhino gives the Sandman the apron pile driver through the table, but the Sandman again barely escapes. <laughs> What's it gonna take? <laughs> I, I swear, it's just he's just too drunk to know what's going on. It's great. <laughs> Rhino connects with a pile driver on a shard of table and is able to become. Our final pay-per-view ECW World Heavyweight Champion. That's awesome. Cyrus re-enters with a mic and declares Rhino, for whatever reason, whatever power Cyrus has, he declares him the undisputed unified ECW World Champion. Cyrus says there is no one that wanna, has the guts. We're going to rate that? What, rate this bit? No, rate the match. Oh, we, oh I did. Rhino and Sandman? Oh, do you want to rate? Of course I do. You want to rate that? Of course, it was a world title match. Dude, it's great. Okay. All right, real quick, before I say that, all right, 
Let me, I'll finish this line, then we'll rate it. Okay. Okay. Cyrus says that no one has the guts to face Rhino, but if someone does... Don't do just... that. <laughs> Especially in ECW. But if someone does, they show up now. It is so, it is an amazing moment to hear Walk come on again. Mm-hmm. The crowd blows up, and Rob Van Dam spends, wastes no time getting to the ring. So, as Rob Van Dam is entering here, let's just it, quickly just roundabout. It, oh, it's a, it's a seven. This yeah. is incredible. Like, for a, such a short match. And I think it's because of how much I love the fact that Sandman kicked out. You know, because in a typical match like this, like, it would just be one move and done. You mm-hmm. know, it's over. But Sandman, he just keeps trying to put up the fight and the way that he sells it. Oh, I don't hurt my family. I, oh, I love this kind of crap. But <laughs> Rhino is a monster. And just he's, and to see Rhino pin him and can kind of continue their feud a little bit, but win the world title. Yeah. Oh, I was just in heaven. Jason, do you, or, or, so you gave it a seven. I guess Jason Impromptu, Easy. what'd you rate this? Um, I would. I'll be with Charlie because be going for a rating because of as exciting as it was, as short as it was, but it, I mean, like it, this really seemed important. Mm-hmm. It felt like a big deal. Yeah. yeah. This is money I mean, in the like, bank before money in the bank, basically. <laughs> the first cash in, um, and all it takes is threatening the lives of women and children. Um, so that's really, really good. Uh, really exciting. I like to think that, Sandman was kicking out because he was supposed to, not because he was hammered. Um, Rhino's like, seriously, man, you do this again, I'm going to break your neck. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> a seven. Chuck, you sold me. I'm going to give it a seven too. Okay. You, you sold me. Like I, it, it is it, it. The crowd's into it. They knew well enough. Like you know, they had Sandman, or or Sandman went into business for himself. I'm just kidding. I don't think Sandman went any ever went into business. But. They did just enough of those kickouts, and Rhino deserves it, man. You know what's funny? He like deserves it. WWF rarely has nailed it with a cash in the way the, they nailed it with this fake kind of cash in here. You well, know what I, I mean? I, I do, well, also, uh, to WWE's credit, I do love that whenever they talk about Rhino's history in WWE, they go, "He was the final ECW champion," and like, and there were other ECW champions that came after, but when when they talk about ECW, they go, "This was the last guy to do it," and yeah. it's it's fantastic. So. We said Rob Van Dam enters the ring, which is awesome because and we're like, is Rob Van Dam about to win the world title? Because right. man, watching this live, I mean, I was on pins and needles. Because uh, it's on two fronts. One, Rob Van Dam got screwed out of the TV title against Rhino, mm-hmm. and he's never been the world champion. So mm-hmm. it's like, yes, it's the, it's finishing two stories at once, basically. But then, call back to the beginning of the show. Who do we see? It's Jerry Lynn, who attacks Rob Van Dam from behind. And then the bell rings. I'm sorry, this is dumb. Jerry Lynn is talking about he, wants to be, he only wrestles in the main event. Then go get your belt back. No, I, I just want to have the same match with Rob Van Dam that I always have. This we could have used a little promo here. Something. Something. Like, I'm he sick and tired him. of you taking my heat. And- he attacks him. Rhino gets out. Promo. Don't do it long, because we know... <laughs> we just don't That's how you know it's over. Yeah. Don't That's his because Stone Cold said so. But, like, can you imagine just having them talk about it? The crowd builds into it. Like, yes, we want to see another Jerry Lynn versus Rob right. Van Dam match. And in that way, it's very fitting that this is the final match that ECW gets to air on pay-per-view. Quick thing. As Van Dam was done with ECW, he made a deal with Heyman to come for guilty as charged for one night only. On his kayfabe commentary, as you shoot, he says he demanded cash up front that Heyman failed to provide. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> uh 
He said, I'm sure I've read this many years ago that he only received the tickets of the flight the night before. So they paid for his airfare. We talked about that earlier. But uh, that it was kind of a last minute thing. That was Colin's note there. So, uh, Jason, this is a fitting way that we get to end it is with Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn. Take it away. Cool. Um, as far as the Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn, I'm never going to really give it a complaint because it was at least spread out enough, unlike the Tajiri, super crazy Guido stuff. Um, and it is, it's really, really fitting that this is the end, uh, for what we get to do. Um, just, it's another good Rob Van Dam, Jerry Lynn match. I don't think it's their best, but it's still really good. The crowd really gets on the bald guy yes. because at some point, Fuck uh, that I, guy. Rob Van Dam is picking up Jerry Lynn to do something. And the guy grabs Jerry Lynn's leg. Um, and then just he keeps he's he's yelling something or doing something and the crowd gets all over him they start saying hit the bald guy um and they keep saying enough and then eventually the security guys come over and get it and the camera just pans away and i think at some point he gets kicked out because they're like a loud rocks of cheers I think, which oh, is already is that what I, is really yeah because so, i couldn't that, figure it out so and they cut back like they don't go full-fledged like camera view of that but if you look you'll notice that guy's not there i so tried to see it on the hard cam but the video quality you know yeah so, yeah, because they chant something else. I, say, I hear asshole. Yeah, chant. well, there's asshole chants. Yeah, and they do applaud at one point, and I, I'd like to assume that they were just trying to save that guy's life. <laughs> but no, I, I think, Jason, you're right. He got kicked out. He was so obnoxious. Terrible. He didn't just grab his leg. I mean, he was He, he was, was touching hogging, all over the place. Touching and like moving his arms and look at the camera. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. hate fans like that. Yeah, Jerry Cesaro needed to go away. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed like he wasn't... Uh, I mean, because he was really trying to make a himself stand out with that weird hat and everything. It was almost like he was some local comedian or something that's trying to be like, ah, look at me. I'm on TV and doing this stuff with these guys. Ain't I funny? Um, but this starts a trend is the crowd becomes distracted from the match, not yep. just with that. Um, there's a show your tits chant because apparently there was a woman in the crowd. So uh, besides the one up front. Yeah. I know how dare she. Um, then there's because they're doing the show your tits and all this stuff. And the crowd is more interested in the shit that's going on through them that there's hardly any attention paid to the Gertner run in and that they turn around. Everybody gets excited for, Oh, it's the van Daminator, but they miss it. Like it doesn't get the normal pop that it does. You know, you generally see the crowd where they get that little brief moment of right before it hits that anticipation. Like, Oh, here it comes. You don't get that. Cause they're not paying attention. The Van Daminator takes a really, really long time to get going yep. because he's got to find a Fonzie and there's no Fonzie. And Rob Van Dam keeps calling for him, too, which is kind of sad, man. It's almost like, you, you know, hear a whistle. Hear... Did you notice that yeah. there is a whistle yeah. at some point, but they never cut to who's doing it. No, it's, probably, it's probably somebody in the stands, which is cool. But it's like when you're, you're your dog dies and you're just like, man, I miss my dog. And you keep seeing him make the hand gestures for Fonzie um, doesn't come out. He gets Gertner. Gertner holds the thing for him. Even the the Van Daminator doesn't get a huge reaction. I mean, yeah, we may have seen it a couple times, but it's still impressive as shit to see a guy jump across a fucking ring and nail someone. Wait, are you about the Van Terminator? Yeah, sorry, the oh, Van Terminator. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, I got no, my Vans. <laughs> um, but I mean, all in all, I mean, it's still a, it's still, uh, you know, a, a mediocre Rob Van Dam Jerry Lynn match is still better than a lot of other matches. Um, so I'm gonna give this a six. Charlie, how'd you rate this, man? Uh, so this is what the fourth pay-per-view match that they've had. 
Living Dangerously, Two Hardcore Heavens, and then this. Correct. So it's the worst one of the four. But it's still a really good match. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's solid. Uh, especially considering the fact that what, Rob Van Dam only got the plane ticket the night before. Yeah. Like, and he was able to put together a match with Jerry Lynn like this. Uh, Rob Van Dam cuts his lip pretty bad. Oh, yeah. And, and, but, man, Rob Van Dam, he's just he's so amiable. And like, the way he, like, he interacts with the crowd, especially at the end of the match. He's surveying the crowd? He's, a, he's surveying the you crowd. You hear him say in the beginning to him, well, I'm going to go save this thing. Yeah, yeah. and that's it's, it's exactly what he did. Now, uh, I would have rather had <laughs> Jerry Lynn challenge Rhino, honestly, or Rob Van Dam challenge Rhino for that belt. Because having Rob Van Dam be the final ECW champion... Because basically, ever since he won that TV title, ECW revolves around Rob Van Dam. And it's basically his story. It's like everyone else is a supporting character, and Rob Van Dam's the main character, and you want to see him succeed. Yeah, I like, think Rhino is Paul's project, though. You know what I mean? Sure. So he wanted, I think he wanted him to end with it. You know what I mean? End with being the It's fine. Champ. But we never get the payoff that Rob Van Dam deserves for Rhino. Which, like, guarantee, was living dangerously. Yep. 100%. That, and that would have been great. And I would have bought that pay-per-view yeah. like twice over. like To see them go at it for the world title, especially with how hot Rhino is right now. Um, Gertner finally gets his revenge on Cyrus. He hits Cyrus with a DDT. And yeah, even though it didn't get a big pop, I was really happy for him. And for that, for, basically that felt like the end of that storyline. For me, because I mean, let's face it, this is the series finale, so we got to wrap up these storylines. Yeah, and I'm gonna call this the Van Goddamn Terminator because it is the nasty. It is nasty. Ever. He could have gone another five, ten feet, and because I think he overjumped it. Uh, and I love that Gertner was on the wrong side with the chair at first, and Rob had to tell him to, "Hey, man, hey, no, 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 you got to go on the other side." That's what Fonzie do, you know. But he kicks the living hell out of that chair into Jerry's face. And rightfully so, it's the pinfall. And it's great. But there's never really any doubt that Rob Van Dam's going to win this match. I never really felt like Jerry Lynn was going to get it. And Jerry, unfortunately, Jerry Lynn, who you know, has this new thing going, uh, this new attitude, and I only fight in the main event, and I'm top-tier talent, and he loses to Rob Van Dam again. Mm-hmm. Even though the last time on pay-per-view, he beat him. So, all in all, like, it's a very fitting way to end. It's bittersweet in a way. Yeah, to see Rob Van Dam go out on top, and he's the final image that we see on uh, ECW. Yeah. Good match. Good match. I'd give it a seven. Seven? Mm-hmm. I'm right with you. Yeah. I, they, they, they never had a bad match. Nope. And I would still argue this day, it's as good of a series as Flair and Steamboat. Mm-hmm. Easily. Easily. So that... Wow, we, we blew through that. That killed it. So I have um, a question yeah. for you real quick. Yeah. Do you think that if... They would have let Rob Van Dam beat Rhino for like let him face him and beat him for the World Heavyweight Championship. That that could have prolonged the life of ECW because at that point there that could have generated a lot of interest and maybe even got. I mean, you know, if I'm a TV executive and you go back and show me this is your world champion, this is the guy you're going to showcase, and you show me some of Rob Van Dam's greatest stuff, I would I would be a, pretty likely to want to pick that up and do something with it. I. I don't know. I think because even WCW, who was in, I don't know. No, they weren't. WCW was not in as bad a financial shape as ECW. They were even going to stop, regroup, reboot, come back in a few months with a new, fresh product. I don't know if he, I I don't even, with the, Collins, 
gave an he he sent to me the art the article came out during the time that showed the breakdown of what they owed, and it's insane, really? substantial. Like I I don't know if the TV deal would have been able to keep them afloat initially. I think they would have had to stop reboot. They've got the TV deal. That's some money. Get more investors. It, it'd be a big rework. So I don't think it would have been enough, Jay. I don't think it would have been enough at first. But if you're get to, when you're ready to relaunch in a couple months, if they went that route, centered around Rob Van Dam, I think people would have been interested. So okay, let's get in. Um, because God, there's still so much stuff I got to read here. But let's just talk about the company. Then we're gonna get into some of the individual wrestlers here. Um, there's much more detail in the article that Colin posted. And I think I'll just post it on our Twitter, but this was kind of the general feeling from, um, uh, Oh, real quick. Cause we're not done with the show. Technically backstage. Francine says they are uh, that oh, the, the more men, the better Carino puts over, uh, just incredible heavily, how much they pushed each other for the ECW world title, which is very accurate. I would say. They form the new impact players, essentially, at the end. And posing. they do the same pose. They do, they I'm like, this is not what Carino needs. <laughs> but that was the end of that. So, um, All right, this is from Wikipedia, kind of ending for the kind of uh, summarizing the end here of ECW. ECW struggled for months after the cancellation of, um, from TNN, trying to secure a new national TV deal. On December 30th, 2000, ECW Hardcore TV aired... For the last time, and Guilty's Charge in 2001 was the last pay-per-view that aired on January 7th. Living Dangerously was scheduled to air on March 11th, but because of financial trouble, it was canceled in February. Heyman could not get out of the financial trouble and closed on April 4th, 2001. Heyman supposedly had never told his wrestlers that the company was on its dying legs and was unable to pay them for a while. The company was listed as having assets totaling $1,385,500. Included in that number was $860,000 in accounts receivable owed the company by In Demand Network for their pay-per-views, acclaimed video games, and original San Francisco toy company, their action figures. The balance of the assets were the videotape library, $500,000, a 1998 Ford truck, $19,500. God damn it, I'll take that right now. <laughs> and the remaining inventory of merchandise, $4. The liabilities of the company totaled eight million eight hundred eighty-one thousand four hundred thirty-five dollars and seventeen cents. That's twice as much as WCW sold for. Wrestlers and talent were listed with amounts owed ranging from two dollars for Sabu. I'm sure that's worth a lot in Bombay, Michigan. <laughs> two dollars for Sabu and Steve Carino to hundreds, and in some cases thousands of dollars. The highest amounts owed to talents were about Rob Van Dam. Hundred fifty thousand, Tommy Dreamer, hundred thousand, Joey Styles, fifty thousand four eighty, Rhino, fifty thousand, Shane Douglas, forty eight thousand, and Francine, forty seven thousand two hundred seventy five. Yet these assets were eventually purchased by the World Wrestling Federation, now known as WWE. Did they pay them off? Did they pay off those those tabs? That's what it sounds like. But um, so they paid more of that than for WCW. That's crazy. Um. We're, that was nice events. I said I'm going to post the thing because the the article and the article that uh, Colin sent came out like during the time period, and it breaks down everybody's line item. Oh this one God. just try to give a summary because there's way too many to list all at once. But um, let's um, one thing that's interesting to talk about though is obviously we're not done. We ECW is going to go dormant here for a while. It's going to resurface. 
which will come for our last three episodes of the season. But not everybody is necessarily going to return. And there are some guys that aren't going to make it to one night stand. I just want to give a quick kind of summary that Colin provided wonderfully for each guy. Let's start off with Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn made his TV debut for the WWF on the live Sunday Night Heat before Backlash 2001, where he won the light heavyweight championship for Crash Holly. He would lose the belt to Jeff, ha- Jeff Hardy on the um, June 5th SmackDown. The only other notes of his WWF run were not being allowed or not being included as part of the alliance, despite being a former ECW world champion in a hardcore title match versus Rob Van Dam on Sunday Night Heat, where most of Lynn's offense was never shown on TV. Shortly after leaving the WWF in 2002, he would join TNA and would wrestle in the opening match of their debut weekly pay-per-view, leading to him becoming a major part of the early X Division, winning that championship twice. He would team with AJ Styles to be the first NWA World Tag Team Champions of the TNA era and would win the belts for a second time with the Amazing Red. Before retiring from wrestling in 2013, he would win the ROH World Championship by beating Nigel McGuinness and had a two-month reign before losing the belt to Austin Aries. He is not now, bad. Not bad at all. He is now an agent-slash-producer for Ring of Honor. Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey Whipwreck would retire from wrestling at the end of 2001, but found himself back in 2003. Wrestling mostly on the indie scene, he did make one, one appearance in TNA and at Shane Douglas's hardcore home, homecoming show on the weekend of One Night Stand. He is probably best known for becoming a wrestling trainer training the likes of Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Jay Lethal, Trent Beretta, The Amazing Red, and Los Maximos slash the SAT. Steve Carino. Steve Carino was signed by WCW but never made an appearance before the WWF buyout and was released. He would defeat Mike Rapata in April of 2001 to win the NWA World Championship and lost, uh, lost it to Shinye Hashimoto in December. He would sign... Uh, was it? He would win the gauntlet for gauntlet for the gold on TNA's first show and was announced as the only former NWA champion in the match. He would mainly wrestle on the Indies, ROH, the UK, and in Japan. I have I have even uh, referred to one of his matches and uh, I've even referenced one of his matches in January of this year. Carino became a trainer at the WWE tra- uh, uh, Performance Center. He left Ring of Honor. Yeah, how about that? In January of this year, Carino became a trainer of the WWE Performance Center. That's great. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, man. Chili Willie enlisted in the United States Army shortly after the World Trade Center attacks and was sent to Iraq in April 2003. Oh, no. God bless him. He he is Tony. Assigned to a Special Forces unit while serving as an infantryman in Iraq, he was wounded by mortar fire while on a mission and received the Purple Heart and a Bronze Star. Badass. That's yeah. so cool. I never knew that. He has he ever been featured a tribute to the troops? Because he should be. Man. Simon Diamond. Joined TNA in 2003, where he would win the NWA World Tag Team Championship with Swinger. <laughs> For a time, he was known as Irish Pat Kenny before, re- before returning to Simon Diamond. <laughs> Whose idea was that? <laughs> He has been there ever since, mostly working backstage as a road agent. Christian York was signed by the WWF after ECW folded and was sent to developmental, but was released in July with numerous developmental talent through the WCW buyout. He didn't do much of note other than wrestle uh, on 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 the indies and appear on early ROH shows. 
He left wrestling for a few years in the mid, uh, yeah, in the mid aughts. Yeah. Okay. York would return to some note in 2012 when he was signed by TNA, where he competed in the X division and even had a pay per view match against RVD at Genesis 2013. I don't remember that. Wow. Jack Victory doesn't seem to have much. Uh, doesn't seem to have done much since the ECW closed. I can find a few indie appearance results in which. And which uh, he which seemed few and far between. The most recent being November 26, 2016, at Wrestlecade. C.W. Anderson, Jack Victory, Steve Carino, and the Gen- Jordy Bulldogs, Marky D, and Sean Denny defeated George South, the Heat Seekers, Zane Dawson, and Zane Riley. <laughs> that look on your face says it all. How about that? Easy Money, a callback to season one. He would be signed to WCW as Jason Jett. Oh! 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 (laughs) I remember Jason Jett. (laughs) And he would be the only man to wrestle in both ECW and WCW's final pay-per-views. Hall of Famer. (laughs) He was so skinny when he was Jason. He he kept trimming down. Oh, my God. He would be one of many WCW wrestlers to have their contracts transferred to WWF and would be sent to developmental until he was released in July of 2002. He would make a few appearances for TNA and ROH before retiring in uh, 2003, where he would make ring attire for wrestlers under easy tights. Oh, God. <laughs> he, would re- he would return to wrestling in 2007 and even had a match for the TNA World Championship against EC3 in 2015 at some random indie show. Wow. And finally, Julio De Niro. He would be Back a part- to Treasure Island? <laughs> <laughs> he would be a part of Raven's new stable in 2003, along with CM Punk and Alexis Lurie, Mickey James. I forgot that's her real name. In WWE? As The Gathering. They would turn on <laughs> <Yeah>. Raven <laughs> and feud with him until being released. He, just, uh, he did make an appearance on SmackDown in 2008 as a jobber against Finley. Oh, man. And that gentleman uh, is... That are our guys. That's kind of a wrap up of uh, a lot of the guys. So wow, we did it. We we made. Oh, if you have it, like, go ahead. Comments, Jason, Charlie. I'm I'm gonna pull up Martin's email because I know Martin's. Oh got some, God, yeah, yeah. Some bits to talk about. So go ahead, Jason. Um, I wish there was some stuff about Doring and Roadkill in there because I don't remember them turning up. But I mean, it's been. I haven't watched One Night Stand till the, since the initial run. Um where I got together to watch it. And that's going to be fun because we're going to have like a 20 minute in memoriam, kick the thing off. Um, Oh yeah, that's right. Which is weird. Um, but I mean, like it's crazy that, I mean, I'm still blown away that easy money was Jason jet because of the size difference. And it wasn't that long. It was just from January to March. Yeah. And dude, like H I mean, like he seemed to be so much more of a high flyer than he was. And, at least 20 pounds lighter. Um, I don't know. It was just cool. It was neat. That chili Willie stuff was really pretty damn awesome. You're right. I mean, you know, you're a former professional wrestler who decides to go and enlist in the military and gets wounded, gets a purple heart. You should be on part of the tribute to the troops. Absolutely. Yeah. It's wow. Some of those guys, it's, it's, man. that's what, quite a story. So, um, Martin's going to be the one to kind of kick this off. We'll do some final, like we'll go ahead and bat around some final thoughts on this this era. We're going to talk about all this again in a few episodes once we wrap up all of ECW. But just to kind of 
give some thoughts here and kind of the closing of ECW at this time period. To start off with, here's Martin Dixon. In lieu of my appearance, here's my guilty as charged thoughts. ECW pay-per-view ends with guilty as charged 2001, and although not intentional, it serves as a fitting endpoint for the company's legacy and encompasses everything I loved and hated about experiencing ECW for the first time. Finishing the pay-per-view with Rob Van Dam to face Jerry Lynn is a fitting end to the original run. Mr. Pay-per-view facing his greatest opponent, and who I imagine gained ECW a lot of buzz, is very poetic. Less so was the title ladder match, with, which was all kinds of dull, like a lot of the show, to be honest. Tommy Dreamer being embroiled in a low-key feud with C.W. Anderson did nothing for either man. Rhino making a last-ditch bid for the power was fun, but I'm biased, of course. Not a great send-off, but a fitting one. ECW shows often have a distinct formula that rears its head again here. From the early days of Dudley Boys calling out various mystery opponents, to the latter repeats of Joel Gertner getting hurt and being replaced by Cyrus. To the inescapable merry-go-round of Guido versus Super Crazy versus Tajiri, at first these were all exhilarating, but become rote and tired. For a company so revered for its creativity... There was a lot of stuff that was trotted out again and again. This resulted in me getting a lot of fatigue as the inner workings of the booking began to show. In the ring, the wrestlers certainly tried their best, apart from New Jack, who I have a whole new level of hatred for. <laughs> and even when the booking and overbooking let them down, some persevered to become amazing acts that I have n- newfound respect for, especially the likes of Steve Carino. ECW never had a chance once the ECW hit its stride in 99-2000, as it offered everything ECW could in brawling wrestling and great characters, but had production values light years ahead of ECW's, which increasingly looked too low rent as it went, instead of appearing grungy and charming as it had at the start. Audio issues and technical hiccups became unforgivable and really harmed my enjoyment as time wore on. This run of shows did make for fun viewing for me to see wrestlers I loved later in their careers in a nascent form, as well as a surprise guest who stopped by, such as Sid. ECW was extremely influential and did burn out quickly, but its effects lasted longer than the promotion itself did. And although well-known, its history isn't that well-documented. Now I've seen it all and can now call myself an admirer of it. I still prefer WCW, though. Oh! (laughs) Martin kicks us at the end. uh, We didn't do our final ratings, did we, for the show? But I've got him. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, Jason, you and me rated this the, the same, uh, 5.7. Will Ooh. rated it at the highest at a 5.9. And we gave Guilty as Charged 2001 collectively a 5.8. 5.8, huh? Mm-hmm. So let's go to Cage Match here. Cagematch.net has it as a 6.19. Wow. We're close. Close, yeah. One comment. I don't think it's going to be any good, but... Oh, no, no, no. That's always good. <laughs> oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. So sorry. Golly. That's easy. That's guilty of charge 99. Oh. Sorry, guys. Because eh. I saw Nicole Bass. I was like, where the hell did she pop up? <laughs> wow, this really was edited for Pioneer. <laughs> Thank you, Network. My apologies. Here we go. 5.8 is where theirs was at. That's us. There we go. That's us. Oh, this. Oh, this is awesome. It's the same guy. From the last comment. <laughs> oh no no no! Oh wait, I gotta get ready. I don't think it's as good though, so don't don't. I don't care. I refer back to my most recent ECW reviews. <laughs> 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 These final shows are samey. 
They're decent enough but lacking compelling charismatic talent and passable production values. Increasingly hard to overlook. Another comment. Screwjob finishes, tons of run-ins, unoriginable attempts at being extreme. Might be worse than latter-day WCW. Think about that. What a piece of shit that is. No, that's goes. way off. Yeah. No, sorry. 5.8. So, um, there are a couple Meltzer things. He, Meltzer actually rated the, um, the I Quit match three and a quarter, and he gave um, Lynn and Rob Van Dam three and a quarter. Okay. So, that's from that. so Jason, um, start off some kind of final thoughts like Martin did about this pay-per-view and wrapping up ECW Prime. I'm glad it's over. Um, because it, it to me it just got really burdensome towards the midway point because of the repetition. Um and then just kind of getting desensitized to some of the stuff that people love ECW for. You know, it was like a I mean, I know we were we were burning through it. We were watching stuff, you know, pay-per-views two, three at a bunch, and so that that could do it. But I mean, I don't know. I so far with this, um, I am excited to see the comparison for WWECW because I mean, I, I mean, people loud it. I mean, it's it's horrible because it's watered down version of this. But I mean, part of me is also thinking is a watered down version of this so bad. Mm. Um, in, in the grand scheme of things, because the way things were, I mean, stuff just got out of hand with like the, the last couple of pay-per-views we talked about, they're doing what they can to waste time and doing these just meaningless backstage skits where everybody's trying to fuck each other. It was just like, this is, I don't know. I, it just completely turned me off. Um, I may have an unpopular opinion about this. Cause I know there's a lot of people that are diehard ECW fans, but I mean, I'm with Martin and that's also because I grew up with WCW. Uh, so I like it better, but I mean, I did not really care for ECW after watching it like this. Charlie. Before we started this season, I would, I would have considered myself a hardcore uh, ECW fan. I loved this company from the first time I saw them. And, uh, I still do to an extent, uh, running through the shows as we have has been, Tough, not WCW end of their run tough, but, you know, and it's not because ECW was bad or anything. It's just, it's a little samey, you know, it's like, I feel like I couldn't tell you which Yoshihiro Tajiri super crazy matches on which card. I I couldn't differentiate it, but I definitely think that the good outweighs the bad. And I will say this, WCW might be better than ECW. Might be. But I think ECW made more of an impact in six years uh, with the overall lasting effect in professional wrestling than WCW did. Yeah, because WCW was always trying to be WWE. Like, at least when Eric Bischoff took it. You know, because back in the, like, the NWA days, they were always more... Well, we're the wrestling company. They're the cartoon company. And then they started upping their production values and it started aping WWF stuff. Not that WWF didn't do that with WCW, but that's what they did. And ECW did their own thing and they succeeded for a long time. Or at least felt like a long time. Or longer than they probably should have lasted, especially with the way management was run. Like, it's something that's so charming about it. You know, like, they filmed a lot of these promos in Paul Heyman's basement, you know, and him... Him, Joey Styles, and Tommy Dreamer would 
sell t-shirts out of there and or make the t-shirts from there and sell them online and uh, it's just it's an incredible story of of making headway in a business that is run by Vince McMahon and Ted Turner you know and you and it's being run by a guy who used to be a manager in Ted Turner's company and it's it's really unfortunate that there's they're not still around because I I do like the way ECW was going and that they were kind of evolving, it seemed, from the Sabu style, Sandman style, and just get more varied wrestlers. And it's a shame they couldn't get a TV deal. Um, my opinion on them, I guess, is slightly soured uh, after going through everything. I don't regret doing it. I, I enjoyed this for the most part. And, and it, was, it was a really great watch, I thought. So, yeah. Good experience. Still love ECW. Since we still have those three shows to go, like I'm not going to go full on because I think we're going to do a really grand summation of everything. Because mm-hmm. what's going to be interesting is the other there, there's still a lot more of this tale to be told, only in three shows, of course. But still, like there's a there's a lot that I think actually kind of rounds out the legacy of ECW with those final three WWE shows that we're going to talk about. And we will, like Jason, you had talked about, it, and I think it'll be a part of the December dismember episode. We'll talk about the WrestleMania match because it is important. That they do that ECW Originals match at uh was it twenty three yeah the one in Ford Field Trump, yeah 20, the Trump Mania yeah twenty three but what I'll say briefly here now is uh, I regard this run as in comparison er, in the same way I think about the Sex Pistols album Never Mind the Bollocks it's one album that's all they got but it was a really good album for that time period in terms of that type of music that's exactly what people wanted to hear. Um, we're living in cities that had kind of a, a, a clash against authoritarianism and stuff like that. I think he said he's perfect. It's perfect for the amount of time it lasted. I'm almost, I, as we were saying throughout, it's, oh, it's sad. We're not going to see this. In a way, I'm like, no, it's, it's good. Because it never Product got as bad as WCW 2000 got. Mm-hmm. It never got that bad. Even with losing all the stars they did and the money problems, these shows overall in the year 2000 are light years ahead of where WCW was. And they had a hell of a lot more money to spend. This has been a blast. I've had so much fun going through these shows. And it's going to be it's what's going to what's great is that like like so many things in the 2000s, nostalgia is going to find a way to kick it back up. Not all of it's going to be good, and I agree with what you said, Jason. People and, and and I've chanted it because I've just passed along because I've heard it. ECW in the 2000s has been regard ECW in the mid 2000s has been regarded as watered down. Well, this wasn't exactly rosy either. So I wonder how bad that truly is. We'll see. But um, overall, great, I think a good fun time. And I think like it, I, I mean, some of the things we saw and we talked about were just utterly ridiculous. Some things were terrible and some things were amazing that we saw. So it was such a great mixed bag. But um, there is more to come with this. The story is not over, right. thankfully. Because in our next episode, ECW One Night Stand, it'll be One Night Stand 2005. Now, there's a lot that we need to still talk about before then. So we're going to be talking about not only the pay-per-view, but what spawned the pay-per-view, the rise and fall of ECW DVD. So that's, we're going to be talking about that as well as uh, One Night Stand 2005 because without one, you don't get the other. Right, and it's one of the best docs WWE ever did. It might be the best. It could doc. be. It's like two and a half hours, and it's yeah. solid. Yeah. It's so good. I can't wait to rewatch that. Yeah. Um, For what it's worth, we started uh, this season on September 1st. 
So it took nine months. <laughs> wow. To cover ECW. Which is pretty phenomenal. That's six years. Yeah. Right? Was that no, six, no. Technically, technically uh, four. Four years. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Never mind. But because um, the other... The other thing I, I keep tossing about now in my head is the Ultimate Attitude Era WrestleMania. With, and I mean like WWE, WCW, and ECW. The final thing I want to toss to you guys is, we, we joke, we talk about, man, to see Mike Awesome and The Undertaker, right? Well, that's the match, man. Here's, here's, here are your options in. Because Rhino like, is another one now I'm thinking about. Would you have rather seen The Undertaker and Rhino? Would you have rather seen Rhino and Goldberg? Or would you have uh, rather seen Rhino versus like 1998 Eric Kane? Which one of the three? Just real quick. We're gonna do. We're gonna talk more about filling out this card in the next three episodes. But just to kind of get the conversation started, if you're talking about the quintessential Attitude Era pay per view that encompasses the best of everything, for those three matches, we're just trying to pick Rhinos. What would you pick? What? What? Who would I want Rhino to fight of those? Those three. Undertaker. I'd go with 98 Kane. Okay. See, here's the problem with 98 Kane, or even 97 Kane. Kane can't lose. Especially if it's before WrestleMania. Like, it's just not even an option. Okay. But, no. Un- is it 98 Undertaker? Or just Attitude Area Undertaker. Attitude Area? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. If, with if the Rock song. You can, take it, you can take it as American Badass or... Ministry of Darkness. I don't care. You can pick either one. Undertaker. Because yeah. I want to see Taker with Awesome. That's why I can't pick it. I want to see Taker and Mike Awesome. Right. But anyway. I want to see Taker fight everybody. We're going to L- fill this like, out. I want to see Taker you, fight Sandman. This could, based on where all three of our seasons have been, this is a great way to kind of round out where we've been because you can pick out the best of that time the period. The perfect card. Yeah. Mm. But anyway. I know what the main event is. Oh, yeah. That's easy. Oh, yeah. Totally. But uh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Um, our next episode, it will be, as we said, 2005's uh, One Night Stand, where ECW makes his triumph and return. And we'll also talk about the documentary that inspired it, Rise and Fall of ECW. Um, the New Blood Rising podcast this is a part of the Questionable Endeavor Network, as well as 4CR Online. Uh, please check out the variety of podcasts that are with both of these shows. Um, the podcast is on Twitter at New Blood Pod and Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. I'm at William Rinkin83. I'm at the Jason Kiesler. And I am at CM underscore stabs. Martin Dixon is at Bunny Suicida. And we will see you all for ECW's slash WWE's one night stand 2005.